Yes, sir. We're back in action. Today, Mark Battress is also back in action as we welcome him back for his second time. And today, Mark comes on because he did his first ultra marathon during the ORM ultravirus race last month, which was a 12-hour race and it was as many miles as you could do in those 12 hours, uh, 12-hour AMRAP. And Mark smashed. So he came on the show to tell us exactly how he did so. So during the episode, we talk about all the strategies during the race, pre, during, post, all of that. We talk about nutrition and how to keep on eating to help your fueling for the race. We talk about what you can expect as from a recovery standpoint. And he drops a few awesome pro tips that can really help you out, especially if you're planning on doing the same race that's going on at the end of May 2020. So if you like the show, please hit us with a five-star review, uh, five-star rating and review it helps us out a bunch. Oh, and I, and if you guys are missing our good friend, Josh Reed, don't worry, he will be back. We will bring a fresh HHMC to you on Tuesday. It will be a very special Tuesday. Cool. Here's Mark Battress. Mark Battress, my friend. Hello. What's going on? What's going on? How's it going? Going great, man. Thanks for welcome back. Second time on the podcast. I'm real excited. We're, we're super familiar now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yesterday you got some ART done. What exactly is ART? It's uh, active release therapy. So they're pretty much breaking up like um, soft uh, muscle tissue. Um, it depends on your practitioner and uh, who, who's administering ART. But like a lot of guys will like do some grasping first to kind of break up the fascia. And then they kind of dig into the muscle and kind of like align the muscle like properly with scar tissue and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you do the grasping on your first? Yeah. Yeah. Like it w- we'll break up the muscle and we'll kind of get that, that fascia like sorted out first. And then mm-hmm. we get, we go deeper. So like we try to go in layers. Yeah. That makes sense. I think the last time I got ART done, this it was probably like 10 years ago. It was before I even knew of Graston. And I mean like Graston, I think traditionally it's called like gua sha or something so it's been around for a long time but i think it was just kind of popularized for the like therapy community in recent years yeah and for what i remember from art is just like my chiropractor just sticking his thumb into like my glue and it's like okay now move and i'm like uh i can't and it hurt so bad yeah yeah that's pretty so much it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one time I, I Googled, I wanted you to explain it. Cause one time I Googled ART and just like pictures of the Mona Lisa came up. I was like, oh, I just, I Googled art. <laughs> not, not what I was looking for. Um, yeah. But does, does that, is that like your favorite? What's your like go-to active recovery? Uh, well, ART is kind of like, you know, if the stuff that I usually do kind of like that is not enough. So uh, usually what I do is like, I'm doing a lot of stretching, I'm doing a lot of foam rolling. And when I do foam rolling, it's the same positions and the same act, like the same things that we do in ART. I do the same things on, on the foam roll. So it's like, I'm not just rolling around on the foam roll. It's like, I stop, I, I pinpoint my pain and then I move my muscle or my leg in a way where it, act, it actually stretches out the muscle. Mm-hmm. And then I move on to a different area. Yeah. So learning how to do the foam roll correctly, go to your ART therapist first, see how they actually work on you. And then that you use those techniques when you 
do your foam rolling. That's such a good point because I feel like with foam rolling, it's just like you roll over, you get a spot that's sensitive. You're like, ah, you do it for like 10 seconds and then you're just on to the next thing. And you're like, all right, let's see where else. Um, but yeah. really, yeah, it should be a stop and like a really focus on that spot because that's where that scar tissue or those adhesions should be. So that's where you kind of want to focus to break it up. Um, yeah. That's like a good my, reason to use that. Like I had to break up my, uh, my hamstring and breaking up the hamstring is so hard because it is such a big monstrous muscle. It does not want to play sometimes. And it took around like an hour and a half for that muscle to finally release. And I was like, Oh my God, I was sweating. I was like, <laughs> I was like this is just uh, ridiculous. But the muscle like it, like, cause there's so many layers inside your hamstring it could be so deep where the actual pain is that mm-hmm. like it just takes time for certain parts of your muscle to finally like release and break down. And then when you get to the pain and then it's like, okay, thank God, like that's forever. So, and it, it's yeah. really hard to leverage enough weight to get into your hamstring as well. Like, so if you're like sitting on something, like it's really hard to get there. Like, I don't know if it's something that put a weight on like your lap or something. I've seen people like put kettlebells on there quads and or like with like a softball underneath and that might be that might be pretty kind of extreme but it's it is kind of a hard place to get to whereas like your art practitioner is coming from over top you just kind of like dig in there right yeah yeah so a little different um yeah because my like he he tried to do uh most of the stuff like he's like okay let's work on it and then he's like yeah it's your hamstring and he's like I'm not going to break my thumb going into that, <laughs> going into your, your, your hamstring. So he ended up like, he got on top of me with his knees and then he used his knees to like break it down. And then like for some of it, like he did some of that. And then he's like, okay, uh, like I, I, I'm getting it. I know where I want to go, but it's like, it's going to take another, I don't know how long. So, you know, here's a, uh, uh, a therapy ball and he's like go put it under your hamstring and move around and see see if we could break it down just go sit on it yeah 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 so we we were there i was there for like an hour and a half and it was just one spot and i was like oh and then finally it released and i was like oh thank god like uh, makes it worth it yeah (laughs) and that's sometimes like i've done uh just regular soft tissue massage like deep tissue massage on my like calf and achilles area before and just had the person hammer it it's like hit this spot just keep it going like just go at it and he did it for like an hour and then i was better (laughs) yeah yeah. you know so are you feeling better today i'm feeling a lot better yeah yeah feeling solid yeah yeah for sure so that is a great way to do recovery and that's something i do want to touch on quite a bit uh today because i want to pick your brain about the 12 hour ultra virus race, ORM ultra virus, ultra marathon, I guess ultra is how they're going. 12 hour. Yeah. 12 hour. Yeah. So I want to dive into that. So recovery is going to be a big piece of that, but I'm also curious cause that's something that, you know, that, that type of distance, it has to be hard to judge what you're going to do, but Mark and like you're in your instance, do you know what you would potentially be able to run at like any distance at like any specific time? Like if I was like, what could you do a mile in right now? Would you have an idea? Uh, I, yeah, I'd have a ballpark for the mile all the way up to like the marathon. Yeah. And, but beyond that, I'm like, uh, like, like I, I wouldn't have known prior to this race. Like I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. And so. that's, and you know, you were a, a very accomplished runner and an awesome OCR athlete as we we've touched on in the past and, you know, sub two twenty, you know, top, um, 
would you end up, where did you end up at in Jacksonville? Were you like, I was fifth, yeah. fifth. Oh, nice. Yeah. Strong. Um, yeah. So top five at, at the national series race. So obviously high level runner, but a 12 hour race is a, a whole different deal. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> like, I know you as a really good runner, really good obstacle course race athlete, but I wouldn't necessarily put you in like the ultra bucket and, you know, anymore, it seems like those two different things aren't that much different. Like the, like the best ultra runners are really good road runners as well now. But, um, so you kind of put, went out there and gave it a shot. So what made you want to do a 12 hour race? Well, like, you know, usually I wouldn't have done it Yeah, <laughs> being in season. Like I'm usually so, so focused on, uh, achieving my goals in, um, OCR, but in this instance for this, you know, pandemic and what's going on, it's kind of, um, it, the, the event came up and I looked at it and I was like, huh, that looks interesting. And it looked interesting because I had always wanted to do some kind of, um, ultra, like ultra trail race or ultra OCR event. Um, ever since like I did one, uh, or like I, I was the pit crew, um, at, mm. um, uh, world toughest mutter. So when I went to World's Toughest, I was like, wow, this is so much fun. It's exciting. And it's 24 hours. I was like, this is this is interesting. I like it. I like the whole community. I like what everyone was out there to do, um, testing their limits, seeing how far they can go, pushing their bodies. It was um, it was almost like poetic in a sense, you know, and, and seeing how far the human body can be pushed. So it really motivated me to want to do one of these events, but um, there's never been a time where I was like, okay, now there's, there's a good amount of time. I'm not injured. Um, I don't need rest. I can go and do one of these events. So this just happened to like fall into my lap where I was like, okay, I, I don't have anything on the schedule. We're probably not going to race till July. Um, Like I really you know, I, I, I don't want, like, I've, it's kind of interesting. Cause it's like, when you go do a trail race, you're like, okay, I don't know the course. I don't know what's going on. And it's, it's kind of scary to think like, oh, I could be at mile 55 out on a hundred mile point to point trail. And, you know, now you got to suffer for like whenever the next like drop off point is. So I was like, okay, I, I, I thought to myself, ideally, if I were to do one of these, it would be in a loop course, like at World's Toughest Mudder. And if I felt something that was going to break down in my body, I can always just step off the course and say like, hey, I think I'm going to get injured. I'm done. And I was like, okay, I have that situation here in this race where I'm doing five mile loops and I have, you know the advantage of sleeping in my bed and, and having all this, like, you know, waking up and just doing the event and I don't have to travel. I don't have to do anything for it. I'm like, this is pretty good. And, you know, uh, ORM was gracious enough to put up some prize money. So I was like, now it's competitive. Now it's a competitive Mm -hmm. thing and I want to go and push myself. So I'm like, all, all, all my requirements were lining up. And I think like two days before the race, I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So that's when I signed up for it. So no way. Went. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was just like, were you, how long did you, were you thinking about it? Was it like 
days was, or weeks? Yeah, no, I was like right when it came up, I, I started thinking about it because I was like, oh man, this is a good thing. Like I, I was starting to add up all, all these requirements that I was telling myself, like I need all these, I got to check all these boxes before I go and do one of these things. And all the boxes were checked. And I was like, I can't ignore it. I can't ignore it. Like there's no way. But the the reason why I ended up doing it was because I think the Wednesday of the race, I did a long run, like a midweek long run, and it was 15 miles. And towards the end of the end of the long run, um, you know, it, it, like I kind of go on this trip, like, like this course that goes like up and down, up and down, up and down. And the last four miles are like relative. It's like downhill, but usually when I do it, by the time I'm done, my body feels like it's wrecked. Cause it's like, Oh, you just did 15 miles. And the last four miles were kind of downhill on pavement. And I usually don't feel good. Um, I did it this time and I felt great at the end. And I was averaging like five forties on the end. Hmm. So I was like five forties for the last four miles. And I felt like it was nothing. And my body doesn't feel broken. So I'm like, I think I'm going to do good this weekend if I go and do this thing. And I'm like, I, I got to sign up for it. So I signed up on Thursday and then went and did it. Yeah. Cause there would never be another opportunity like this. I know they are doing a second one and that's, you know, why I do want to talk to you about it, but um, yeah, yeah. But really the, everything did line up. Right. And if there's going to be a time to do a race as much as, as far as you can, like that has to be the one, the way you kind of it checks all the boxes. Yeah. Um, and so leading in were, so you didn't really prep, right? Like there was, no. zero, there was basically zero prep. Zero prep. Yeah. 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 Like, like kind of funny. Cause like I, I was doing all my base phase workouts. I was like, okay, I'm in base phase ever since Jacksonville. So ever since Jacksonville, I was doing nothing but base phase workouts, which for me is around 80 miles a week. Okay. So I'm doing 80 miles a week all the way up until the race day almost. So um, the, the only thing I did prior to the race was like, just like the day before was six miles. And then the day before that was eight. So it was 15 it's like a taper. <laughs> yeah. 15, eight, six. And then that was it. And then I raced and I did 85 miles. So that was a big week for me. It was like a hundred and close to 160 miles. I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm guessing yeah. that's the highest week you've ever had. That um, is the highest week I ever had. I was like, Whoa. congrats on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so and like, yeah, like, basically I was like, you know, um, going into this race, I didn't think I was prepared for like a hundred miles or something like that, because I was like, I, I didn't do like a hundred miles of training a week. And like what I would conceive in my mind as proper training for this event, like I didn't do it. And coming out of this event, I was like, I guess I did do the right training. Like everything worked out fine. And and that's one thing as I look into the ultra stuff more and more all i've done is the 50k like an ultra spartan you know and it's but the more i like read and learn about it is that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be some ridiculous volume type of training more than what we probably already do like yeah well, well, so 15 in the middle of the week was that going to be your long run for the week like had your long runs in your base phase been 15 16 17 or how high was your one standing run in your base phase uh usually i do about 17 yeah. So yeah, because I have this. Uh, yeah, right? I, it's like it's about eight, eight and a quarter out, eight and a quarter back. So it's like sixteen and a half, almost seventeen miles. So I do a little extra when I'm done. So it's about seventeen miles. So hmm. that's my long run. So I do seventeen mile like 
mountain long run. And then that in the, in the middle of the week, I usually do about a 15 mile. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't really have it. So you don't really have like one big, huge run. That's like out, outside of the norm of all the other runs, which is probably the best way to do volume. And are you doing mostly singles in eighties? I'm just curious on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I do singles. Almost yeah. all singles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you work full time, right? Like so I work full time. I ain't got time for doubles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so with that, were you worried, or w- what was your main concern going into the race? Um, with you know, just running, basically training how you would train for a five k race at Jacksonville, right, or right, a ten k right. race later. Like this is the same volume that you had been doing either way. So what was like? Did you have any concerns? I had concerns because I, I, I didn't think I had the volume for that many miles. I mean, basically, I did the miles I do in a whole week in one day. So <laughs> that, that kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I can run that much. Um, and I thought my body was going to break down a lot, uh, a lot quicker. But um, I told myself I wasn't going to try to um, hold off and, and, and run really slow. I said, I'm going to run like I'm running an easy run. Like I'm running mm-hmm. my easy day, easy run and see how long I can do that. And if I do that, I think I could be the first one to 50. And if I'm the first one to 50, um, then at that point it's like, okay, now I'm on the downhill. It's like, I already went halfway. Now it's like, I'm, I'll, I'm just, I'm continuing to hit more laps and they're all just bonus. So whatever happens after 50 is whatever happens. But the goal was initially be the first one to 50. And then after that, just keep going and see what happens. And is that conventional wisdom in ultra running to go even slower than your easy run? Because that, that's how I would consider it. It's like, okay, well, the easy run's comfortable. That should be a pace that's sustainable pretty much no matter what. Yeah. Especially doing like five mile loops, it, it did that give you a sense of security to be like, okay, like if I do a five mile loop at say, cause you average what, 645, 647s or something for all of them. Yeah. Like 647. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that, that to me, for, for you, I know that's easy. I know that's, yeah. you're chilling. Um, yeah. and did that give you a sense of security to go out and be like, all right, I can, I know I can hold this pace and I'll do it for five miles and come back and reevaluate as opposed to, let me see what it feels like to do eight, like, right from the jump and just see how long I can sustain or what was your strategy behind that? Like, how did you determine just I'm going to run what's comfortable? Yeah. Like I went out and I told myself like, treat it like a, treat it like a long run, treat it like an easy long run. Uh, don't get crazy, but don't hold yourself back. Like I didn't want to hold myself back because I was like, if I hold myself back, I'm going to be running like a different form. I'm not Mm going to be as efficient. And I'm like, if I do that, then I'm, I'm going to end up like, hurting myself more than helping myself. So I figured if I ran slower, then it would just mean, you know, I wasn't getting more miles. So I was like, just go out, run easy, run comfortable. And for me, that was like, I started out like at 630, 640. And then that was the first loop. I think I averaged like 630 something. And then I came back the second loop and I wanted to stay around 630. Um, But then I ended up going like, one of the laps I averaged, like I kept averaging like six twenties for a lot of the laps. And I was like, Oh man, I just feel really good today. So just keep going, just keep doing this. And, and it did feel a lot better to come in, um, kind of get myself like a little bit like my headspace correct, you know, and like get some water, 
take down some nutrition and then focus, breathe, and then say, okay, go out and do it again. And then boom, just go out and hit five more miles. So, and I feel like it'd be less enjoyable, right? Like you run so often and, you know, as we do for long runs, like that's it's nice. It's enjoyable to run at 630, 640, 620 for these laps, for these miles rather than eight minutes. I, I enjoy it better when I'm running at that pace rather than a, a slower pace. So if you're going to do it, you might as well enjoy it and, and see. And did you do like the math beforehand? Where, like if I run my easy pace, it'll be around 630. And if I do that pace for the entire time I should be at this many miles or was it, was it as simple as let me get to 50 and then just see what happens? I, I actually did look at the world record prior to the, to the event. Cause I was <laughs> Hell like, yeah, okay. you did. Damn it. I was like, okay, 648 average for a hundred miles. I was like, dude, I don't even run 648 for any of my runs. Like that seems so slow to me. So I was like, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the, faster than that so i was running 630 pace because i was like well now i'm ahead I'm like this is great i could take breaks i could relax i could not have so much pressure on myself i think when i got to 50 um that's when i realized i was like oh man i think i've taken too many breaks um like my breaks were too long and i was running like the time i, I think i got there like at six hours and a few minutes it was like six hours in like three minutes or something um when i was leaving or something and i was like oh man that's that's not that good like <laughs> i am i would have to get the same effort again in order for me to break the record for 100 miles in in 12 hours and i was like oh okay that's um that's gonna be a tall task so i was like yeah i'm i'm out of it but i'm gonna keep going and i'm gonna keep my pace and i'm gonna keep solid so, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know your goal was a hundred miles. Is that, is that what you tell yourself right from the jump? You're like, I'm getting well, I mean, I was in there and I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to do it right. And I told myself, like, I think the world records, like 11 hours and 19 minutes for a hundred miles. And I was like, well, you know, if someone can do it, I think I can try and then see what happens. And then when I went out there, I, I kind of realized like, yeah, like at halfway, I took too many breaks. Like my breaks are way too long. I, you know, being my first time, it was like, I didn't know, like I should have, I shouldn't have broke so many times at the start um, and took so long of my, like the breaks were way too long. Um, and looking at the data after I was like, oh man, I, I didn't need to spend like five minutes there or 15. I, my 50 mile break was like almost a half an hour. And I was like, what was I doing for her? I could have did another lap in that time. <laughs> so yeah, it's like simple mistakes like that. Um, reassessing, like kind of looking at the data after I was like, okay, I definitely messed up. And um, I didn't have to spend that much time in the pit, like just kind of recovering. It's like, I could have, I could have went out there and kind of hammered, but yeah, I was looking at, you know, a hundred miles as being possible in the 12 hours. Um, I definitely thought that it was doable and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by the time. So it's like, if you're not in, if, if you're looking at something, you're like, oh, that's doable. It's like, it's not, it's not a big deal. Then you have a different mindset as, you know, someone who's like, okay, I'm not even going to think about that because it's not even my, in my wheelhouse. But for me, I was like, oh, I think that's well within my wheelhouse. So I'm going to go for it. And that seems like an intuitive approach to be like, okay, my easy, what's fast to me is not six 
45. So that's not fast to me. So why right. wouldn't you try? And you don't know because you've never gone to that, that point, but in, at no time is 648 for you ever fast. Like there's not, like there's no world where that's fast for you. Right. So it's right, like, right. so I think that's a good takeaway for people who, who are thinking about this next one. It's like, okay, let, let, what's a pace that is not fast and is something that you can run comfortably and just, just see, just see where, where it can take you. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned the, the brakes, right? And I know I want to get into like the logistics of this race in particular, but going like looking back now, I'm sure it's easy to be like, Oh, why did I take 30 minutes there? But can, do you remember what your mindset was during that time that if you were to do it again, that you could combat that? Because a lot of times, you know, you look at, at like something you did in a race or you reflect and you're like, Oh shit, like should have, I should have went there. But when you're in that moment, it's a little bit different. Right. So like, do you remember like what it was like in the moment? Yeah. Like the first couple of breaks, I, I think I was more annoyed more than anything because I had, I had to check in. So I had to take pictures of my watch and I had to go. Yeah. Let's, let's just touch on that now. Like how, how, how did that work? Because it is a virtual race. You were only running running your course. How, Mm -hmm. what, what was the process of this? So pretty much, yeah, you'd start your watch, uh, you'd go out in your five mile loop, you'd come back, um, right when you come back, you take pictures of your five mile segment. And I know some people were going a little bit further than five miles. And I'm, you know, I, I didn't under like, the first loop I did, I measured it and it was like five point like, oh, oh, six or oh, seven or something. And I was like, oh, that was stupid that I stopped my watch when I did the whole loop. I should have just stopped it when I hit five. It's like, why would I? I'm I'm not getting credit for this extra distance. So just stop my watch at five and then take my break. So that's what I did after the first loop because I was like, I this is way, this is longer than five. So in actuality, I didn't do 85. I did a little bit closer to like 85.8 or something like that Mm -hmm. uh, in total mileage. Yeah. But, um, so after you come in, you stop your watch, uh, you take a picture of your watch, then you send it in to, uh, you, you email it to ORM and then you check in on the zoom live feed. So when you check in on the zoom, you just show your face and you say, Hey guys, how's it going? I'm here and I'm going to go out for my next loop. And then, then you start your watch again and you, you can take whatever breaks you want or whatever, and then tell them that you're going to go out for your next loop or whatever. Yeah. So the, the thing is the first time I came in, I felt it was a little bit annoying because I was like, I got to stop. I got to take a picture. I got to check in with everybody. And then I got to tell them like, okay, I'm going to go out for my next loop and then take off. I think they changed it now where it's like, you don't have to check in so much on the live feed um, as much, but I'm not sure. I haven't read the, the new update to the rules. Yeah. So. Me neither. And I can imagine that, that they just wanted that just so they could make it more media friendly. Like, okay. Yeah. Mark Mattress yeah. is out for his 50th mile. Uh, we just saw him. He looks good, but like, yeah, from, a- I think, yeah. Once they started figuring out who was doing well, they wanted us to check in on the live feed. Like, Hey, just, just wave to us and see what's, what's going on. And I would wave and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? And they'd be like, oh, hey, you, you're going out a little fast. Do you think that's, too, you know, do you think you're going out a little fast? And I'm like, I'm fine. I got I'm it, bro. Good. I <laughs> yeah. got it. 
Yeah, I think at, at mile 30, I did do that. I was like, I, I got it. And I just put my hand down like, I got this. Don't Here. worry. <laughs> yeah. uh, so was there anything that you picked up? So so why was it important to stop and start the watch? Did you need to stop the watch at all? Or was it or did it count each? Yeah, it, they, they only counted the five mile segments. So it's like I couldn't just keep going. So like I had to do and it had to be a running time. So it's like there was one lap I was running and then I got stopped by um, by cars that were going past the intersection. And I luckily out of 17 laps, it would only happen once. And I had to wait and I almost stopped my watch and I was like, whoa, whoa <laughs> don't touch it. Like I, I can't touch it. I just got to wait. And then once the cars passed, then I took off and then. Um, that mile was like a little bit slower than my previous miles because I had to wait like an additional 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of habit. Cause I'm always, I would stop my watch no matter what, if I'm stopping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of ran around and I was like, okay, okay. Is it clear, clear? Boom. And then I took off. So, yeah. Is there anything you would do different if, if you were to do it this time to make logistically easier or is there not much wiggle room to really like game that type of system? Um, not really. I mean, it's just, uh, it is what it is. It's kind of like everything's set up for the event. Um, and, and that's the best way for them to actually make sure that people are doing the laps that they should be doing. So I think it was, I thought it came out pretty good. Um, like the whole logistics of it, I, you kind of have to understand it's not a world record attempt. Uh, <laughs> you're not just doing one big over, 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 uh, loops. So yeah, you kind of have to play by the rules that they, they set up. And, um, you know, I honestly, it's, it's a really good, well thought out event that, um, you know, brought people together at a time when we're all apart. So I thought they did a great job. Dude, shouts to them and just for getting that much buzz around it and getting that many participants and for throwing up money, like collecting money for you. And it was you and, and Mark Audet, right? You guys were mm-hmm. one too. And was who who ended up third? I don't even I'm not even sure. Uh I'm not sure. But you and Mark I know Logan was up there, but I'm not sure if he got fourth. He might have got third. I'm not sure. Yeah. I got you you and Mark were you're well out in front. Yeah, court, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And like you're a competitive dude, right? Like you've been doing this for forever and competition is definitely a part of all of this the running and fitness and with something like this where there there were competitors but there wasn't competition in person was how did that change your mindset when it came to pushing yourself or was it different than a regular race in that way or were you able to kind of tap into the same thing um it was it was it was like that a little bit because like i was i was kind of running with Logan uh, Broadband for a while. Like we were like, he went out with you. Yeah. Like he would go, he would, he would be like, all right, I'm going out for my next lap. And I was like, Oh man, I got to leave pretty soon or else I'm not going to be able, uh, like he's going to, cause I had a one lap lead on him and I was like, Oh man, he's going to take off again. So then I was like, okay, I got to hurry up here so I could go take off. And then I'd, I'd go, I'd take off, I'd come back and then I would get back before him. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Like I, I passed them. That's great. And then I'd get, I'd be getting my nutrition, drink, drinking some pickle juice and doing my thing. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I'm going to go back out again. And I'm like, oh damn. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, like, so he helped push me like, like, cause, cause we kept 
like meeting up at the same times. And I was like, oh man, I got to keep, keep this up or else I'm going to, I'm not going to be, I'm like, I'm going to drop off, you know? And I think some person said like on one of the loops, like, oh yeah, he's like in eighth place. Like Logan's in eighth place. And I'm like, if he's in eighth, like there's guys right up on me. Like I, I, I got to make these quicker. And then that's when I started clipping down my times it towards the end it was started to get a little bit i had a, a segment where i started hitting like seven flats the whole time mm-hmm. and i was like okay now i'm getting faster as we're going along and then that's when other people started getting slower and i was like okay this is this is good i think i can maintain my lead if i keep doing this did you find that type of competition engaging and because it sounds like because I'm, I'm sure as you're out there running you're thinking of it you're thinking of logan you're thinking of him coming back like i want to beat him back i'm going to stay at this pace was there any time that you were that it did that you drifted out of competition or was it pretty present there the whole time uh it was pretty present the whole time in terms of competition and in terms of um like just wanting to see my limits like i wanted to see how long i can hold on um and like i said I, i was using this as a um kind of like a like a barometer of like what i was capable of like can i can i do an ultra marathon? Can I do one of these ultra races? Would I be able to do a hundred mile race? And, you know, I was like, well, if, if I'm going to get that information, I got to get pretty dang close to a hundred miles or else I'm not going to get that information. So, you know, finishing up 85, I still had like a good amount of time left on the clock. It was like 20, I think like 20 something minutes, like 20, 26, 27 minutes to go. And I was like, oh man, like, I could do another lap and I'd come in like five minutes out. And I was like, ah, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of like, I know like uh, maybe it's not 12 hours, but 12 hours in like 10 minutes, I would have definitely had uh, 90 miles. And I was like, oh, and then, and then like thinking about my breaks, I was like, I could have got 95. And I was like, if I really would have did this, I could have got a hundred. So it's like, there's a lot of things that went into the the analysis after I did the event as to like, oh man, I made a lot of mistakes and I could have did a lot better and that would have been cool. So I was like, oh yeah, but definitely the competition, it, it drove me, the event drove me and basically wanting to know what my limits were. That's, that was the biggest, one of the biggest drivers. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, a, a lot of, a lot of us, a lot of people, you know, we're in, we're in it for the competition, but really it is to find out what we can do on, on our own. Right. Like and right. to see it, and how we stack up against other people. Yes. But we need to push ourselves to a place to get to where those people are to, to, to find that. So this must've been an awesome opportunity when it is just by yourself to really have to remind yourself. It's like, all right, screw it. I'm, I'm in this for me. And what was that analysis like when you went back and, and you, you, you mentioned the breaks, right? That seems to be one of the, the, the main things that you would have done differently. How would you have gone about doing that differently? Like how yeah. could you put those break times down aside from like the logistics? Aside from the logistics, um, there's a lot of stuff that I could have done uh, and kind of assessed prior to, well, like it, it's kind of like, it's hard to know before you do it. You know, it's like, I've never done one of these. So I had no clue as to what I was going to crave, what I was going to eat, um, what nutrition I was going to like and what, um, what I was going to do in those breaks. So like there were some breaks, I, I didn't even, I br- luckily I brought like 
like several pairs of shoes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I switched out shoes um, towards the end quite often, like every, probably like every 10 miles I would switch out shoes. And it's like, oh man, I didn't even think that that was going to be a big deal. But like, it's such, it's such a huge advantage when you're going and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've gone 10 miles in these shoes. You switch shoes and it's like, you feels like you got like a new pair of legs. It's like, it's like, oh man, the shoe's hitting me differently. It's not exactly hitting this spot or that spot. It's like, it's acting in a different way, but I'm feeling great with the shoe on. So it's like that, that was, that was interesting. So it's like, I would not have thought that that was going to be such a big factor and, you know, changing out socks, changing out shoes. That was huge. That was a huge deal. Made my feet feel fresh. And, um, you know, that was, that was awesome. So like understanding that, that aspect, which, which is like, how fast can I change out my shoes? Mm. Should I be using like, uh, like a shoe mechanism, like a lace mechanism, as opposed to just standard laces, because when you get to 70, 75, 80 miles, uh, it kind of gets tough to tie your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was going down and I was like, Oh man, like I got salt in my eyes. Like I could barely see. And I'm like, yeah, I could get this shoe on. Like, Oh man, what the hell's going on with me? been tying my shoes since I was like in, in first grade. And I can't get this thing on. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a lot of stuff like that, which is like, you know, I guess it's no brainer for a lot of these ultra guys, but for me, it's like, this is all brand new territory. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea what I was doing out there and just wasting time doing that stuff. And like I said, the nutrition, um, having just the certain items that I like, because if you have the certain items that you like, you could just pick it out and you're ready to go. But if you have two, like I put almost every option in the freaking grocery store <laughs> available to me. Cause I didn't know what I was going to like. And after doing it, I was like, Oh wow. I, I pretty much stuck to what I stuck to. I, I really didn't deviate too drastically from what I liked. And then, you know, that would have saved me a lot of time not having to look at so many items, but to mm. just say you know, like, Oh, okay. Where's my, this, where, you know, where's my pickles? Where's my pickle juice? Where's, uh, where's my chips? Where's my, you know, like, bam, I'm, I'm knocking out all my stuff right in front of me, um, as opposed to having all these options that I didn't even utilize. <laughs> it's like, you're like at a buffet, you're like, ah, I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, I'll exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, uh, you know, it's like going to a buffet and you're like, oh man, where'd those chicken wings go? I saw them <laughs> over here a second ago. And it's like, you're looking around, you're like, where'd you get those chicken wings? <laughs> like, that, that, that's exactly what I was doing. And I was like, okay, like I, I nailed it. Like. Like I had to, like, I had to weed out what my nutrition table looked like because I was like, this is just getting in the way now. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch that. Like just stick to what I want and that's it. Yeah. And that's such an interesting perspective on the nutrition because the way I'm thinking is like nuts and bolts, right? It's like, okay, this many carbs, you know, sometimes protein, but like there's fatigue involved and decisions take energy, you know, and that's right. not like decision fatigue. That's a real thing. And when you're more fatigued, that's going to be harder. So I'm, I'd imagine that you just, you probably took even more time than you thought. Like if you look back and you, you had a video of yourself probably staring at this table, you're probably like, dude, pick something. Make, and yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was. I was like, just looking at things, you know, I was like, 
Where is the pickle? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Like, Dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. That, that's really interesting. And I want to kind of, I do want to get into a little bit of those nuts and bolts of nutrition, but I, I want to circle back a little bit on, on the footwear because, and, and to me, that kind of sounds a lot like nutrition. Like you have cravings with food and we're, we're, we're used to that, but a footwear experience is you can also kind of crave that as well. Like what a mm-hmm. shoe feels like. And you're like, Oh, when I get back, I want to put on, put on these. And I know footwear is subjective. I don't think there is a blanket thing for, I don't think there's a best shoe, but like, what were you wearing? And what were you kind of switching out between? And what, what did you, how did you decide what you wanted to wear? And and how often were you switching? Uh, I was switching quite often. I think I started out with the, the VJ max and mm-hmm. then, I switched over to the uh, the Hoka Ascent, um, and and then that was pretty much it. Um, or what was? What are they called? The torrent. My bad. I was like, that doesn't sound right. The, the torrent. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like a it's like a oh. thin. Um, it's a relatively thin trail shoe, but okay. it has a lot more cushion than the Max. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna use this um, just to, you know, break it up. But like towards the end, I was like, I was just switching out the torrents because I was like, dude, I can't like the, the torrents were, they were, they were giving me enough cushion, uh, because I was running on a lot of roads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, like, you know, I mostly have trail shoes, but like on the roads, the torrents kind of like, they have more cushion to allow me to like absorb a little bit more. So mm-hmm. those were hitting my feet really good. And I had two pairs of those and I was just going back and forth on those. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's better to, to explore than to just kind of sit there and suffer through one. So uh, would you bring more shoes this, if you did, had to do it again, or would you really have it dialed in as to, okay. I, I, I would probably bring three. Yeah. yeah I, I would bring three. And if, if I was like, yeah, like three would be really good. And I would probably experiment a little bit more with um, even, thicker cushion soles so kind of figuring out like what shoe works for me um and and you know maybe even like could because of the road i picked i would pick a road shoe that was mm-hmm. thick as opposed to having so much you know so much lugs on on road it's like yeah i'm, I'm using trail shoes on the road it's not really that e- efficient so no. yeah and so. over the course of that long like that that's going to add up. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't have the right footwear for this. Um, I didn't plan on doing it. So, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I would imagine, uh, just, I remember, uh, I mentioned Mark Audet who got second. He said he did the, he did the JFK 50 miler, you know, whenever that is November, I think. And he said he was wearing his speed goats. And then there's a port, there's a part that is just straight like gravel trail. And he said all the experienced ultra runners put on those 4%. And then, Mm -hmm they were gone. And like a shoe like that for an event that's so long would be awesome because it has that crazy energy return and it's stacked so thick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you get a ton of miles out of them, but I think something like that would be clutch for, for your feet. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. you did, you did mostly road. was that, was that the plan too? Was there no other option? You, you went to him from your house, right? Like, yeah, I actually went to my brother-in-law's house. Um, he has a nice little like community that's like, um, it's kind of like a, um, it's, it's located in like Chino Hills, uh, by one of the Spartan races out here in Southern California. And yeah, that their little community just has like a little trail that kind of goes through the whole entire thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know that that's uh, completely flat <laughs> and, and it's about like two miles worth of trail. Nice. So I'm like, 
uh, it's better than nothing. Like out here where I live, I'm like, it's all, it's either hard or it's soft. So it's either one or the other. And if it's soft, you're pretty much climbing. So mm-hmm. I was like, eh, I, I'd probably go out there. And then when I checked it out, I did, did the first loop and I was like, yeah, I could do this for all day. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And you would stick to that. Like if it, in an ideal world, would you want it to be like, like, like packed dirt or like, what would you prefer? You think? I think like, yeah, like, um, like dirt, like packed dirt would be perfect. And, you know, two and a half out, two and a half back or mm. some kind of loop like that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there's been a bunch of like weird ultra stuff going on with that one dude, Zach bitter who might have the hundred mile record. He yeah. just ran hundred miles on a treadmill. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I didn't see that. Yeah. Like last weekend did it on a treadmill. And I think he was, I think he was just under 12 hours on a treadmill, which is wacky. But, um, yeah. there, there was another guy who did some kind of ultra stunt. He was a keto, a keto guy, one of these keto runners. Mm-hmm. He did 18, he did an 18 hour, hundred mile, hundred mile run and didn't eat at all. Like he just, oh, wow. no calories. But in your case, I'm guessing you did have calories. So like when you went into the race, yeah. like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to eat and when, or, I know the, what you wanted to eat, we, we kind of covered that a little bit and it was, and it was just based on how you were feeling, what you were craving, but did you have an amount? Did, were you going off of a certain quantity and when you were going to eat that or was it every loop I'm coming in, I'm eating, I'm, I'm taking something in or how did you go about the nutrition of this thing? Yeah. Like I, I kind of thought about it. Uh, like the first thing I started out with in the morning, early in the morning, I had a double shot of espresso. Um, Duh. nice, nice, nice cappuccino. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for my soul. <laughs> and then I had a, I had a bowl of oatmeal with almond butter and uh, banana. And banana was mostly for like uh, potassium and electrolytes, stuff like that. Um, so started out with that. Um, when it got closer to race time, um, that's when I started drinking my A Shock energy drink. Shouts to A Shock. Um, yeah, shouts to A Shock. <laughs> so I had a little bit of that, and then I was ready to go. I was like, okay, this is. I I showed up a little late to my brother-in-laws and then i was like oh man like we're gonna get started in like five minutes <laughs> so oh, God, really? I, I didn't warm up or anything because obviously i figured i'd warm up in the run and so the first mile was just me warming up um so first you know first loop came in feeling pretty good uh got more drinks of the a shock um got a little bit of electrolytes i didn't get too crazy with the electrolytes at the start because it was raining where i was living uh where where i did it so did the second loop came in felt pretty good i was like okay just stick to um uh i had a goo on the second loop at mile eight so i was taking him at every eight miles i was Mm. going to take a goo i told you you were carrying yeah i was carrying i was carrying that yeah and i was like okay eight miles hit the goo and then so eight miles came bam knocked down the goo came in and i think because i was having the um the goos um and the ones i was using was um the honey stingers um Hmm. so i was doing the honey stingers and i had it at eight miles and i think every time i came in i never wanted anything sweet because i kept taking the goos out there in the out there in the road so i was like i did not want to have like i thought i was going to eat a lot of junk food and i really didn't i stuck to um 
I stuck to my electrolyte fluid. I stuck to my um, uh, pickle juice, which was actually going down because like before, like I'm not one to like just uh, hammer down some pickle juice. <laughs> so <laughs> for some reason, like I was, I was running and like that tasted, that sounded good to me. I was like, Oh, that sounds good. So I just had a little bit, I'd eat a pickle and then I'd go, go for another loop. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, I think like right at mile 40, right at 40, that's when I had my first protein shake. So I did a protein shake at 40 and then I did another one at 60 and then 80. So was that just like a whey isolate or was it, was it a carbohydrate protein mix or I think it was a protein, it, it was tailwind. It was oh, tailwind okay. protein. Yeah. Tailwind okay. protein. So I think it was like a, for sure. Yeah. I think it was like a post, it was supposed to be post run, mm-hmm. but obviously I'm, I'm still running. So yeah. I was like, I did it. I did that one and it, it worked out great because it was easy on my stomach. Um, and it allowed me to keep going. So I did the tailwind. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I think, yeah, it was 40, 60, 80. I think hmm. I did it at those points. Um, and then, uh, let me see. Yeah. By the time I was done with, I think it was like 20 miles. I had finished the a shock. Like that was done. I was like, okay. And I didn't have any ounce of caffeine after that. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm done. Yeah. Huh. Um, I, at mile 30 is when I started drinking beer and <laughs> yeah, that, yeah 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 that 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 was just like my uh my father-in-law was just like hey you know you're doing great you want one of these and i was like uh yeah sure give me one of those what kind so, uh it was a uh, sierra nevada uh torpedo nice it's so like yeah. a real like a real beer <laughs> that's a real beer yeah it's like uh i think it's like seven and a half eight percent alcoholic <laughs> yeah. beer yeah i don't i don't drink light beer i don't drink light beer so <laughs> what? running sitting at a sports game no light beer <laughs> no light beer <laughs> so yeah i started drinking that and i i think i in the whole course of the the whole entire run i had five beers by the time i was done what yeah oh yeah. my god that's hilarious yeah and yeah. it was just it was just going down so smooth i was just like i wanted that like that bitter, mm. that hoppy flavor. And I was just like, Oh yeah, it's just hitting the spot. So, and I think the, the, the bubbles were actually like calming my stomach down. So it allowed me to take more goose. So and you, yeah, bad. you can imagine because like you said, like more, like literally you're eating honey, which is just like straight up sugar and <laughs> yeah. balance that. Like you're getting honey salt and like, you're not getting any of that bitter and like torpedo is a bitter ass beer. So you're just trying to like, even out the palate, which I think again is a good takeaway. You might not have to drink beer, but like at a point you're going to get sick of something and yeah. you're going to want to bring it back and, and kind of balance that your palate out essentially. Yeah. And I always thought that I always thought it was silly when people would drink beer. I'm like, why would you even do that? But like, I could imagine it makes you feel better. <laughs> like, could you yeah. feel the booze? No, really not, not, not at one point did I think to myself that I had a buzz or any type of uh, inebriation at all. I was huh. like, I was just running and I was like, huh, like I, I did the whole event and I was like, man, like I drank so much. And I was like, those beers had like, it didn't feel like anything. A week later, I bought a six pack of torpedo. Cause I was like, oh yeah, like I had that. that one day. To me. Yeah, that's fine. It didn't do anything. It's I could drink this all day. 
I had two of them and I was like, holy hell. Like, I'm already, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we're staying here for a while. <laughs> this is it. Hope you didn't plan on going anywhere because this, we're, we're going to be planning for a while. And really, like, you know, if you're taking, you know, eating some pickles and you're having a honey stinger, you're probably having like 120 calories every 50 minutes, every hour or something like that. But one of those torpedoes, they're probably 250, 300 calories for one of those beers. So it was a substantial amount of, of, of calories for you to kind of run through. It's And alcohol is an energy source. I don't know if it's ideal, but there's some carbs in there as well. So yeah. um, so it works works out to get the calories in. Um, Cool. So what would you do different on the, on the, aside from less options, would you just narrow things down and just be like, okay, I know I want this, this, and this, and just have, and maybe have that balance of flavors just so you have one of everything that you know when you get sick. Yeah. Like if I were to help someone out and they were like, okay, what, what, what do I need to do with my nutrition table? Like, how do I set it up? I would definitely, um, I would break it up into stuff that is like bitter stuff that is, um, like carbohydrate rich and then stuff that is sweet. And if you break it up and kind of have sections, then you're going to be able to look at your items very quickly because when you come in, you're going to be like, I want something bitter. And then when you go to the bitter side, you can already have your options there and say like, okay, this is exactly where I'm looking. And then if you come in and you're thinking, Oh man, I kind of want like, I want crackers or potato chips or something like, or like potato. Um, cause I, I had, um, Natalie had made um, uh, like mashed potatoes and she put that in the middle and I had a couple bites of that, but I, I wasn't like a big, like a big winner, so, <laughs> but it was a carbohydrate source. And that was, you know, I would set up a carb section, you know, and it's like, okay, I got that. I got potato chips and I have, you know, some crackers or, and, and like, you know, pretzels or something like that, whatever, whatever you like. And then another section for sweet stuff like candy, um, just like different items, uh, that you're going to go off of with that. Um, yeah. So that, that would kind of separate like what I would eat, uh, hmm. during nutrition and it makes it easier for you to just come in and just say like, okay, there it is right there. Like, you don't have to think about it. You like the, the least amount of thinking you can do the better because you, you don't want to have to be searching for something while doing this race. Like you just want it nice and easy and make it simple as possible yeah that's a very practical piece of advice just like i said just so you're not staring at the table like you were like uh what do i want to eat here (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know you hear you hear that like i think it's a cliche in the ultra running community it's like it turns into an eating contest right and never having to have run this far at all and and never having to have had to fuel yourself for this long were there worries that your stomach might not be able to take it or that you know you might have some gi issues or that you know your your body might reject food or were you pretty confident based on the amount of training that you've done in the past and the amount of long runs that you've done and, and your, your experience with fueling that you kind of knew your stomach was was solid um was there any thoughts yeah. about that yeah i've done some <laughs> runs where it was like a four hour long run um, I got up to 30, 36 miles or something like that. And I was like, okay, like I felt okay, but I, I did take a lot of goos and I was like, yeah, my stomach wasn't feeling good at the end of that run. I remember that. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel during this 85 mile run. Um, but I think because I, I balanced it out with something that was very bitter and something sweet and bitter, it just, 
every time I took a goo, I was excited to take it. Every time I drank the beer, I was excited to drink it. And it was like, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this pattern until the wheels fall off. And they never did. And I was like, my legs felt good the whole way. And I felt pretty strong the whole way. And I was like, wow, I'm pretty shocked. <laughs> I hmm. thought I thought I would have a lot of issues, but I, I really didn't. I was able to eat um, uh, pretty well. At mile 50, I had a um, cup of noodle soup. So just kind of just just had a... Um, just had a, a bowl of soup. Um, I, I talked to Mark Cadet and he was like, yeah, I have his, his soup is made with that, like those little stars, uh, pastas. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, that would have been smart. Cause like, then you just drink it. You know? right. He was like, yeah, I, I hammered mine down in a second. And I was like, Oh man, it took me like, like, like twirling good. it with your fork. And yeah, a spoon. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sitting down. I'm like, is there, where's the pepper meal? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I took way too long to eat my soup. And then, yeah, that, that was my big break. Like my big, almost like 27 minute break. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is just way too long here. Like uh, I got to get going. And yeah, I think that food was like bouncing around a little bit, but yeah. So I like that you took more of an intuitive approach because there is a lot of literature out there and a lot of times people want to follow exact like regiment, regimented things. And, and that's where they can kind of get in over their head or kind of start taking the wrong thing that they don't need. So I think that that's a good approach to just eat how you feel more or less. Like your body will tell mm-hmm. you, tell you what you need and what you want. If you listen to those signals, like you should be in a, in a good spot because I mean, you, you ate and drank a shitload and you kept running. So you must have done something right with that. Um, yeah. And then, so you mentioned, you know, you felt pretty, pretty solid the whole way. What, was there a point that you were ready for it to really suck? And was there, a, was there any point in the race where there was a battle to kind of push through that suck? Or was it just kind of like, stay here, keep cruising, trust your, trust your fitness, trust where you're at? What was that kind of process like? Yeah, like I got to mile 50 and after that mile after that loop, I I came in at 55 and I was like, "Oh man, like like I feel like I'm hitting the wall." And like I, I was telling Natalie, I was like, "You know, it it just doesn't feel like I can keep I can sustain this pace very much longer." I think I averaged like 7 7 12s on that one and I was like, "I don't think I can sustain this pace." And then she tells me she's like, "Just slow down." Just slow down to whatever is comfortable. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, don't try to keep that 620, 630 pace. Like, I'm slowing down. Just slow down. And Hmm. I was like, okay, that sounds, you know, fair. And then I go out the first mile and it was a 712. And I was like, oh, that was, that was easy. It felt comfortable. I wasn't trying to get that 630 anymore. And now I was like easing up to 712s. And eventually my body started feeling better because it wasn't like reaching anymore. It Mm. was like, Oh, well within itself. So I I think like the takeaway was always keep your effort well within yourself. It's always got to feel like an easy run. The minute it starts to feel a little bit difficult, that's when you're going to break down quicker and you got to back off because I ended up, you know, like I said, I picked it up in the, in towards the end because I was like, Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fine. I'm, I'm not breaking down. Like I thought I was for a second, but I'm, I'm okay. So then when I got to 85, I was like, yeah, I can throw down seven flats. Like Hmm. it's not a big deal. Like I I feel good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not like necessarily going into the pain cave and like fighting it. It's like you said, just 
just just back off (laughs) (laughs) just go slower it's like great advice by natalie it's like okay that feels fast go slower you have a bunch of miles left oh that makes sense sense. yeah yeah (laughs) that's what i said i was like oh man i was trying to go after it and i was like she's like just don't just just relax just how you felt at mile 15 that's how it should feel for the whole race the entire way yeah and i was like oh okay i have to go easier then and i'm like pretty much ignore the watch and then once I came in, I'd be like, oh, wow, that was a lot easier. And I'm like, seven flat. Ooh, this is good. Like, I'm going faster. <laughs> like, I just need to relax. Yeah, so kind of boil down to just that intuitive feeling that you have and just being mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what I know is easy. Yes. And and, and that, that I think is going to be real important for people to remember. Um, so with that, was it easier than you thought it was going to be? Or do you, was it harder at any points? Or, or- uh, Yeah, it was way easy. Like, I thought it was going to be hard. I thought, like, running this long was going to be a difficult thing. And I was like, it was, like, not hard at all. I was like, I was shocked. I was like, every time I, like, you know, watch a ultra, like, documentary or looking at these guys, like, these athletes, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I like the training, the this, the that. And I'm like, I ended up breaking it down. And I'm like, it's actually not that hard. It's like, it's pretty easy as long as you just keep your effort, like, low. Mm. Just stay relaxed. If you try to race it and you try to get crazy, you blow up. But if you keep it easy and you keep it relaxed, you can do it for a very long time. So hmm. yeah, it's a battle actually, of attrition. Like it's just a matter of just not going over the top. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I just got to stay relaxed and in control. And you know, it's not that bad. I, I, it was, I, I was shocked at how, how easy it felt because I felt like running a fast marathon was way harder than doing this. Cause like you're going at top end speed pretty much for 26 miles. And then by the time you get to like 90 minutes, you're like, Oh my God, this is death. Um, Cause your glycogen's down. You're just, you just feel like garbage and you're still having to keep a very, very high pace. Um, to me, that was way harder and it breaks the body down and it's so much more detrimental um, to long longevity and, and everything else. Uh, but doing this ultra stuff, I'm like, you know what? It's not that hard on the body. It's actually, I think it's better than marathoning hmm. and you just keep a nice comfortable pace and don't let your body break down. And if you do that, then you pretty much roll out with a good effort. So I don't know. I thought I thought it I I thought it was going to be a lot um I thought I was going to go into those moments like when I did marathoning. Like I'm like I'm going to I'm going to break at some point and it's just going to be like a freaking like you know just <laughs> going back kind of thing. Yeah, 3 hours yeah. of awful. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like it that never happened and I was like, "Wow. I mean, obviously this is my first one, so I it could it could always be different every single time you do it." Right. But uh for the most part um I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I swung and I swung it out of the park just, uh, it's just the first time out. And I was just like, Hey, it's actually, you know, uh, it's not that bad. It, it actually felt pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. What was recovery like? What was it like for the next week? Uh, recovery was okay to begin with. And then I noticed, um, like I had like my legs weren't doing something like, like I, I, like my hamstring was getting knotted up and that was causing like other issues. And then I ended up like developing a little bit of it 
um, mm. IT band issues. But um, yeah, and that's that's why I went to my ART therapist because mm-hmm. I was like, we're handling this uh, this injury right now. But um, yeah, I mean, when I came back, it was actually pretty quick. It was it was pretty good. Everything was going good in training, and uh, I was picking up my mileage. Everything was rolling out pretty pretty smooth. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden, I kind of developed this like you know, little IT band thing. So um, I, I, I think it had, it did have something to do with the, the race. <laughs> yeah. Star. I mean, if you, yeah. if you had the bet. I, I, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I definitely like, like it, it was on the outside of um, like, kind of like where my fastest lateralis is on my mm-hmm. leg. And I, it just shut down. Um, she probably just took a beating. And then, um, yeah, so pretty much, um yeah, I've been working back to, to get to, um, good fitness. I was, I was, I was thinking like, ah, maybe I'll do another one of these ultravirus things. Uh, if, if, if I'm, if I'm fit and everything's good, but everything is not good, everything's not fit. So I'm just like, ah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And that's like, it sounds like typical, like overuse type injuries. And that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, yeah. the most you've ever done in one shot. Were you expecting to take, did you take like a week off? Like, were you like, after this, I'm going to not run for three or four days or what, did you have a plan of it? Or were you just going to be like, I'm going to see how I feel. Cause there's no rush to get back or anything. Yeah. Like I, I went pretty easy. Uh, I took two days off. Um, I just kind of didn't do anything. And then I did some biking and then I came back with some easy runs um and then the next week uh i think i yeah i just try to pick up mileage back to where i was and i think that was a mistake i think i should have built up a little mm-hmm. bit slower mm-hmm. and then um kind of like re get it get back into my my whole like build up phase and then get into the base phase but i tried to get back to where i was already and that was a mistake. It was like, I didn't need to, like, there was no point in me going out and saying like, oh yeah, you know, in two weeks I want to hit a 17 mile long run again. It's like, for what? There was like, I couldn't even get to the trail I want to get to because it's closed now. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know what the hell I was like, why well, I was so eager to get back into it. But like I, I was, and I was like, I need to calm down. So right now I'm just like, ah, I'm just taking it really easy. I'm running with my son mostly and just nice. having fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's a thing because you weren't planning on doing this. So it wasn't like a build, build up and then a, a, a downtime and then a rebuild. It was like, I'm going to do right. this and just like on a whim. And then I had this other plan. And then like to shift the plan, I, I know I would have a hard time shifting yeah. out of the plan as well. So I would I would have been in the same spot as you were <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what does this uh what does this mean for the future, man? Are you going to are you an ultra guy now? I guess I am. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to definitely uh, do some ultras. Um, I'm going to definitely get into it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I like just having my family there and like, like having the support and everything like along the race. Um, I think that's going to be fun in ultra running. And, um, like, I, like my, my wife always says she, she misses that when, when I did marathons, like she'd like chase me around and stuff. So it's like, I think we'll have a lot of fun, uh, in the ultra, uh, races and just kind of, picking, picking out races that I want to do. Um, I think like, like a hundred, hundred kilometers is probably like my better event. So I'll just go out there and be competitive in hundred, hundred kilometers of stuff first, and then try to move up to the hundred mile, uh, distance later on. Yeah. So we're not even talking about ultra 
Spartan or anything and just like straight up ultra and like a lot of these are on trails and everything. Right. Is that, is that change anything for you or are you still excited to kind of go up and down and, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I, um, uh, I, I kind of circumvented the trail scene, uh, for a long time because I went from marathon running straight into Spartan racing. Right. And it's kind of like a, that's like an offshoot. It's like, in theory, it's like most runners would say like, okay, I did marathoning and then now I'm going to go do trail racing. And then after trail, like th- that's it. That's pretty much it. Like you just do trail racing. Um, and I went from marathoning straight into Spartan racing. Um, so it's, it's a little different in the sense that like, I've, I've gotten a lot of experience actually with like bushwhacking and like off trail running and extreme conditions that are like no person in their right mind that's a runner would run in these situations. And I think that's actually conditioned me for being a good trail runner because I do trails now and I'm like, Oh man, these are all manicured and Oh, well, I'm not going to see this in a race. Like right. I get, I get annoyed. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I, 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 like it's not rugged enough. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, it's funny. Cause like most people would say like, Oh, you got to do this trail because it's like, it's, it's super rugged. And I go out there and I'm like, this is like nothing. Cause I'm used to running in like sticks and or it's not a trail. It's like it's not a trail. Yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> so, like that kind of stuff is like, it kind of like, I, I think like my mind is like conditioned now where it's like, if it's not off, off trail, like in the sticks, like through bushes and stuff, it's like, it's so easy. It's like, it's not even that hard. So, yeah. So, I mean, you could do something like the, like Killington for the 24 or like a world's toughest. Are those things yeah. you have like lined, like you do, are you eyeing those up? Are you thinking about that? I'm thinking about that. Um, not, not so much probably this year, maybe next year. Um, this year I have like, I have certain goals that I want to meet in OCR mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get after those prior to like getting crazy with like, um, ultra, uh, Spartan stuff, uh, or ultra like OCR stuff. Um, right now I'm like, you know, like I, I think I would rather like do like a hundred mile trail race and, mm-hmm competitively do one of those and try to win one of those and then and be a very good and competitive spartan racer um as opposed to like going into um like long distance ocr races Hmm. um yeah it's kind of like i don't know i'm I'm just like i don't know why i have this (laughs) like why i'm thinking like this but yeah it's kind of weird, but like, yeah, I just feel like, um, like, I don't know, like, like I, I, like I see like the ultra stuff in Spartan and I don't know where that's going yet. And I'm like, I don't know if that's, um, uh, like something that I want to do yet. I know it's something I'll, I'll do eventually, but, um, right now is like, I guess in like where I'm at in terms of like what I can do in the, in that like 85 mile race, it's like, Oh wow. I think I could be very competitive in these hundred mile races. Mm-hmm. And if I'm competitive in these hundred mile races right now, um, I better get on it. <laughs> like, right. like I, I gotta, I always say like, you gotta strike when the iron's hot. It's like, you, it, it's good right now. It's like, you know, right now, if I can do this, then let's do it. Like, let, let's get competitive. Um, 
the ultra stuff like for spartan i'm like i don't know sometimes i look at it and i'm like do i really want to do that <laughs> like i do a beast and i feel like i got torn up and like i i don't know if i want to do an ultra in that right. in that kind of set. like to do killington at for 24 hours it's like it would turn it doesn't it turns into <laughs> something completely different i know what you mean like yeah. it explains like oh well it's just what you do but longer it's like yeah but like it's not the same as like an ultra it's not the same as like a 100 mile race or, or 100k it is it is different for whatever reason yeah like i i feel like if i already if i were to do an ultra like a 100 miler i could come back two weeks later and get back into training and get back into it and, and be fine I feel like if I did an ultra like OCR race, like my body would be pretty much like hurt for a while Yeah, <laughs> uh, where I'd be like, yeah, I need a month off or whatever. Cause like, I, I think people, people in Spartan racing don't understand how much Spartan racing actually breaks their body down because they've never done like regular road races. Mm. And that's a, that's a weird thing to say, but it's like there, there, there's a lot of guys that are, like elite and, and fast Spartan racers that have rare, they, they've really done other, other events and other um, uh, like, you know, just road racing or, or just running by itself. Like you can run a 5k, 10k and y- you're fine. The next day yeah. you can do a long run. It's like, it's like not a big deal. It's like, yeah, you go do a hard run. You do a hard race. You like I PR'd in the 10k came back the next day and did like a 16 mile long run. Right. And then you can race was, the next weekend. And you can race the next weekend. It's like, it's not that bad. It's like your body is meant to do that. And, and it's, it's easily repairable. When you do a Spartan race, it's like, no, you need time off. You need to relax because you've worked so many systems in your body, upper body, lower body, everything is sore. And to come back and, and, and like, like I really don't like the three day like race, <laughs> like when it's like back to back to back. It's like oh my god, like your body is broken after that. Yeah, and it's like, like I see a lot of age group people do it, and I'm like, you guys, like, if it hurts me, it's hurting you, it's hurting everybody. <laughs> so um, just understanding that it's like I like as a coach, I always try to advocate that my athletes don't do like three races in one weekend uh, <laughs> i'm like just do two two is fine um three is borderline like self-breaking like you're gonna break yourself down for no reason it's mm-hmm. like you don't need to do that um yeah so i'm like like that's why i'm like i think i think it would take a lot out of me to do a spartan race and or, or any type of ocr race anyways for 24 hours or whatever um and in that sense, I'm like, I don't know. I uh, Maybe I'll look into it later on, but not right now. <laughs> and if it's not exciting, then why do it? Like, you can just tell, like, you're like, eh, fuck that. Like, I don't Yeah, it's it's funny, too, because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of, like, winning a 100-mile race. Um, you know, winning an ultra Spartan is like winning a beast. It's yeah. like the same, same prize money, kind of same thing. It's like, oh, there's no, like, there's no extra thing added to it. It's just, it's just the same, same type of like, you know, payout structure. Just extra recovery. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you just broke your body down for nothing. Basically. It's like, there's nothing added to it. Like there's no incentive to do it. So I'm like, like as a pro, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, looking at that, I'm like, I can do a beast and, 
you know, I get the same prize money as an ultra athlete. That's kind of weird. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't compute to me. It's like I could do a sprint and do get the same amount of money as an ultra athlete. It's like, okay, <laughs> like why would I do an ultra? So it's like, that's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking. And then looking at um, like uh, the 24 hour race, it's like, you know, there's, there's like the, the, prize breakdown structure is like five thousand dollars if you win or something like that and i'm like oh man that's a lot of work for just like five grand because you could be out for you can your chances of injury are very high crazy high especially especially at killington yeah you might do 60 miles and get hurt (laughs) yeah it's like like i would say like through the terrain that killington has like you know the 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 odds of a twisted ankle or something like that are very high per lap (laughs) and then like looking at that you're like okay your chances of injury just went up like 70 80 percent and it's like you know for for five thousand dollars you know at the payout and it's like yeah that's like i'd i'd rather do something else because it doesn't seem like it doesn't the juice is not worth the squeeze. <laughs> you're just going to, you're, you're grinding down pulp here, man. It's like, there's not really an incentive to go do something like that as opposed to like, you know, doing a like prestigious trail race where you can come back two weeks later and start your training back up. It's not, right. not that bad. Yeah. You'd have to really want to do it and, and not for the competition. Be like, I want to do that because it's cool. And like, if other, if there's not that there, like there's no reason to, to do Yeah. It. And the competition is, is, is Atkins and Killian. And those are the only two guys that are doing it. It's like everyone else. I'm in, in Aaron Newell. It's Aaron, like yeah. those three, those are the three guys that are in the ultra stuff, like for the OCR. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, it's just us three or it'd be us four <laughs> going out there and hammering. And it's like, all right, like that's okay. But, uh, you know, um, I do like the level of competition that the series brings. Right. It's like, oh, man, you screw up. You do something wrong. You went from second to tenth. And it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> big, uh, big, uh, big punishment because the competition's so high. And that's it's true. like it's so competitive and it's like we're all in it. And it's like, Oh man, it feels like a dog fight every time. It's like, it's exciting. I even talking about it. I'm like, I can't wait to get back in the series. Like that's going to be fun. But yeah, like the ultra stuff, it's like, okay, there's going to be four guys that are really competitive. And then after that, it's just going to be a, a huge drop off where we don't see another person till like freaking, you know, you know, way many laps later. And it's like, we have a 15, you know, 15 mile lead, and it's just us four going at it. And it's like, we're kind of battling back and forth. I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be uh, as exciting as, you know, as uh, the national series. I don't know. Yeah. And the kid doesn't fall at a good time this year. I think it's, it would be like the weekend before Tahoe, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Tahoe is going to be exciting as hell. I'm excited. Like I'm excited to do Tahoe. Tahoe is going to be fun. Tahoe is going to be uh, like, like, you know, that's been the spot for a while and everyone wants to prove themselves there. And yeah. I, I have something to prove from last year. So I'm like, dude, no, I'm, I'm way more focused on Tahoe. So it's like where it comes in. I'm like, ah, that doesn't interest me. Yeah. <laughs> Open for Tahoe, man. That's the, that's the, the race that I'm looking at. I'm like, if there's going to be a race, that's going to happen. Like that's the one, but being in California might throw a wrench in it. I, you guys are just like, going to be the most cautious you're going to be the most careful you're going to be the last ones to open up i feel like and- yeah like i, I i've kind of said it like um i i kind of feel like spartans using um jacksonville as kind of the um proving ground 
for what what other events can do um, just so they can be like a more of a proof of concept um, for other states yeah. and they can show people like oh hey this is how we managed our event like look at look at this is what we did like this is how we handled it and then when other states are able to see it they might be more inclined to al- allow an event knowing that Spartan's going to manage it in that way mm-hmm. um, as opposed to other stuff which is like a concert or something like that where they're like oh no you guys have no controls whatsoever it's just right. going to be lawlessness so kind of seeing that they're going to be like oh wow Spartan's doing a good job to help prevent the spread and they're actually doing a good job at actually managing this stuff it looks like a good thing and then they'll start to open the doors at other states kind of and hopefully that's 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 the the thought anyways hopefully i wonder if they would change the venues i wonder if they're like okay north american championship is back at west virginia because it doesn't look like california is going to allow events with more than like 150 people or something like so moving things around um because that's my only hang up with tahoe i feel like there's enough time for events to be run there but i just don't know about your state i just i don't know if they're gonna be like yeah, I mean, specifically too, I know Tahoe has been really, really like not not enjoying visitors right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's been pretty tough on people just to, you know, go in general. Um, and they, they were really um, upset that a lot of people were going there even during the, mountain during the winter. Yeah, did, like during the snow, Yeah. Uh, um, during a lot of snowfall. And I'm like, oh, wow, like I would expect them to be excited for, you know, the revenue that comes in during that time because like they kind of, you know, they need it during uh, during winter. That's our big that's our big season. But um, yeah, they were just like, no, we don't want anybody here from like from L.A. San Francisco to come in and like be at their vacation home. If you don't live here, stay out. And it's like, oh, like, I don't know how they're going to be come September. I hope better. Hopefully better. Yeah. I mean, hopefully by then, I, I honestly, it's, it has to do with um, how everything's structured. It's like, you know, they need, they need a lot of tourist tourism money uh, coming in in order to, um, you know, just make enough uh, money. So it's like, they're depending a lot on it. So it's like I know. hopefully they look at it and say, Hey, you know what? Spartan, that's a good, it's a good group of people. They, <laughs> they, uh, they got money, like bring them in, man. We need it. So we're hoping we're hoping by that point, because by that point they would. And it's just gonna be a matter of if they're still just extra cautious for, you know, the public health aspect of things. But hopefully we'll have that cleared up. Hopefully it's gonna be good. And we're up and down that mountain and it'll be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, all right, man. Well, that was awesome. Like, I'm real excited. It's so much good information. I think people are going to get a lot of good stuff out of this. So uh, where can people find you on socials and the coaching website and everything? Yeah, uh, social media is at MGB Racing, and my uh, coaching website is MGB Racing, mm. uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, sweet dude. And I guess we'll see. Uh, I don't know what. When's the next national series supposed to be? Uh, supposed Maybe. to be in Utah, Utah, July eighteenth in Utah. Yeah. So they're holding a hope for that one, right? They haven't canceled that yet. They haven't canceled it, and Utah is pretty uh, pretty open to the idea. So hopefully, hopefully it works out. Yeah. Would you go to it? I, I would go. Yeah. It's a the thing is like I I don't know how 
the United States is going to have handle the international travel. Um, I don't know how how bad that situation is or what that would look like in terms of like um, traveling for races, uh, for for flights and stuff like that. Um, hopefully, there's some kind of you know we're we're kind of back to normal a little bit in that in that in that time frame. But um, right now, it's like if it were to happen like this weekend, it'd be like, oh, it'd be almost impossible because it's like, how how do we get people there? Right. Um, like, what are the logistics just to just to, to put on an event like that uh, and get the athletes to the event? Um, but hopefully by July, things are a little bit more open. We have more international travel, um, and like specifically like Canada, we have a lot of ra- racers from Canada that come right. down. So. Um, yeah, we need to have that, the, those basically lines of transportation open for people to fly from East coast, Canada, all over the world, just to get to the races. Um, I think that's, uh, probably the biggest issue right now, uh, affecting the races, if anything. Well, we're hoping, fingers crossed on that. And, uh, so maybe we'll see out there, maybe we'll see the next one, but we'll see you someplace. So Dude, I appreciate yeah. popping on and sharing all the information. It was awesome, man. So I'm signing off. So we'll see you guys next. All right.